Louise McSharry on 2FM. Uh, now, though, it is time for us to catch up on all the week's news. And we are joined this week by the medium of technology by Ellen Coyne. Hello, Ellen. For you. Hello. Sorry, I forgot to turn you on. I apologize. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> okay, I won't take it too personally. <laughs> uh, turning you on is always my first priority, Ellen, but somehow I dropped the ball. <laughs> I'm waiting to start a Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, okay. So we've got, as always, we have loads to talk about. So we might as well get stuck in. How are we doing? I, I know the COVID numbers are bad, but I feel like there are silver linings. There are silver linings. So yes, you're right, the numbers are quite high. It was 1,782 cases confirmed yesterday, which I think is our highest since the end of January. There are some concerns that hospitalizations could increase by the end of this month, particularly with the effect of, I guess, things like the August bank holiday. But the vaccination program is still steamrolling ahead and increasing. And I know we mentioned it last week, but once again, this weekend, walk-in clinics are opening all over the country. So anyone who hasn't already received their first jab or maybe has registered in the portal and hasn't heard anything yet and is over the age of 16 can kind of walk in and get the first of their Pfizer vaccines. Ellen, really well. I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you there. Um, for some reason, this phone line is giving us kind of like underwater in a submarine vibes. So we're just going to ring you I'm back and try and try and get a better line. Okay, so just bear with us okay, one no second. Problem. Yeah, see, as I said, the medium of technology, not always reliable on. But I think what Ellen was saying there is that, um, you know, the walk in COVID vaccination clinics are open again today, which is amazing. And the numbers from last weekend are really spectacular. Over 30,000 people attended walk-in clinics last weekend. And I saw the statistics this week in terms of the percentage of people from each age group who are vaccinated. And um, honestly, it is just incredible. Like, I think it's 99% plus in the oldest age group. Like, we're really moving toward, I think that the maximum capacity that we'll reach, I read this week, is around 90% because there's 10% of the population who are vaccine-hesitant or anti-vaccine. Um, so, obviously, you're not going to get that 10%, but that we are moving very swiftly towards that 90% um, vaccination number, which will just be spectacular and hopefully will mean some very real improvements in terms of the way that we all get to live. Okay, now... If you just bear with me one single moment, I'm just going to uh, get our friend Ellen Coyne hopefully back on this. We're having just the best time with technology at the moment, aren't we? Ellen. I'm back. Yes, and we can hear you. Okay. <laughs> yes, I was just filling people in on the numbers um, and, and saying that we're really steamrolling toward that kind of 90% vaccination statistic, which I think is, that's kind of the maximum we're going to get, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But like if you compare our take up to other European countries, we're doing very, very well. Like when you get to um, some of the older age groups, there was a figure during the week that among some of those groups, take up is as high as 99 percent yeah, in those that. age cohorts, which is amazing. It is amazing. Um, and we're also doing very well with younger people. So of the 30,000 people who walked into the walk in clinics last weekend, 65 uh, percent were below the age of 20 and have another opportunity this weekend. All you need is your PPS. If you have one air code, mobile phone number, email address and some photo ID. Um, sorry, ID with your date of birth on it. Um, and as well as loads of young people taking it up from Thursday, um, people aged between 12 and 15 will also be able to register for the vaccine. And Stephen Donnelly has said that his priority in children of that age group is obviously people with underlying conditions. Mm. So things are pushing ahead. Um, but as we said, figures are still are still high, but the vaccine effect is very real and very tangible. Excellent. Now, let's talk about the situation um, with there have been instances of unvaccinated pregnant women being treated for COVID in hospitals in Northern Ireland. 
Yeah, things in Northern Ireland are, now they're nowhere as bad as they were last summer, but Northern Ireland has the highest infection rate in the UK. Um, and there has been some evidence that there's been an increased number of pregnant women who've tested positive for COVID who've required hospital treatment. It's important to say that if you are pregnant and you get COVID in the vast majority of cases, it can be mild and it can be fine. But the problem is when you're pregnant, your lung capacity is decreased already. So if you get COVID, um, pregnant women can kind of present disproportionately in ICU um, and the problem is um, they kind of use that technique of proning people when you lie in your stomach when you yeah. have COVID. And obviously that's not possible when you're pregnant. Um, but the authorities in Northern Ireland have kind of pointed out that they're already treating 12 pregnant patients for, who've tested positive for COVID in the last week. Um, and when a woman uh, needs to go to hospital to be treated for COVID during pregnancy, there is a chance that there might need to be a preterm delivery. And there have been six babies in neonatal intensive care in Northern Ireland already um, who are in that situation. Throughout COVID, it's been very difficult for pregnant women to kind of figure out exactly what the advice, the right advice is, because it has yeah. changed and it's very difficult to research by yourself. But the advice at the moment is if you are pregnant to get vaccinated, it's very important to protect both you and your baby in pregnancy. At the moment, the HSE's recommendation is that you wait until you're 14 weeks to get the vaccine. That's a precaution. Um, but it's very much advised for people who are later on in pregnancy. And if you do end up breastfeeding obviously you can pass those antibodies onto your baby which is very important as well. That's the beauty of breastfeeding is that yeah your baby gets loads of your different antibodies um, okay uh, then let's talk well we have to talk about what happened this week with Catherine Zapone and some would say the result of which is new outdoor guidelines for socialising um, in terms of COVID-19 but let's start with Catherine Zapone. Yeah, so Catherine Zapone was already in the news last week because it come out, had come out that she was getting this UN special envoy job. It's a brand new job. It was kind of like a representative for freedom of expression. But nobody else was interviewed for the job and it was never advertised. And the problem was it was kind of overseen by a Fine Gael minister and she herself used to be part of a Fine Gael-led government. Yeah. So you can understand why people were annoyed. While that was in the news, it came out in the Irish Independent that six days before she got that job, she had organised this party for 50 people in an outdoor area of the Marion Hotel very fancy hotel just across from government buildings people were seated at tables of six but the general oppression for for most people at the time was that was very much not allowed mm. there was a big ruckus because it emerged that Leo Varadkar had also attended he said he was there for 45 minutes he kind of apologized it for uh, for it on the one last night but people were very annoyed the attorney general then came out and clarified that actually technically the event hadn't broken the law because apparently all along since the law was changed in early July it has actually been legal to organize outdoor gatherings for up to 200 people if people are you know seated not mingling and at tables of six so as a result of that the guidelines had to change and we found out that apparently the Fault Ireland guidelines which are kind of how hospitality makes sure they're following the COVID rules had actually been wrong and had not matched up with the law at all and nobody had noticed until uh, some very senior government figures got in hot water for attending a party which appeared to break the rules but turns out actually now didn't I hope right. that's clear yeah I mean it's so clear I like crystal all of this clear as much crystal clear <laughs> um anyway the result of all of this chat seems to be that Catherine Sapona said she's not going to take that special envoy role right yeah, I mean, as soon as the story came out in the Irish Independent she kind of like it had been rumbling on for a few days already um 
she kind of said that she would step back, but the government hasn't clarified if it's actually going to end up assigning anyone else to the role, which doesn't help with the impression, which was disputed by government, that this was a job that was created by her. But mm. now we kind of have Fall to Ireland and the hospitality uh, industry kind of floundering and trying to figure out where it stands now. So apparently it can have outdoor events for up to 200 people, um, but that doesn't apply to a wedding, which are still restricted to 100. You can have music and live performances in a hospitality setting, but it seems like gigs can't yet go ahead. Um, and all of this is still apparently uh, under the same rules of having six to a table, not mingling and not walking around. So as we said, absolutely clear as mud at the moment. So we can thank the government for that little um, update to the current Thanks, rules. government. Um, okay, <laughs> let's move on. We could talk about that all day, but let's move on uh, because unfortunately uh, we have to talk about climate change because deadly wildfires have been taking place in Greece and Turkey. Yeah, it's very unfortunate, Louise, that this has become nearly a, sta- a staple of this slot every week. There's been an extreme weather events across Europe and this week it has really taken effect in Greece. Uh, the Greek Prime Minister said that a heat wave has basically turned the country into a powder keg. At the moment firefighters are battling 154 wildfires across the country um, oh. and a, a firefighter was actually among one, one of the first two people to be killed by the fires. There is a huge evacuation effort underway. Um, areas near Athens, actually areas near where uh, the Olympics first started are being absolutely destroyed um, and the government in Greece is being very clear that this is this is a real life effect of climate change. Um, Greece is one of a number of countries in Europe that have been dealing with really extreme weather um, and Turkey as well is also really struggling with some of its worst ever wildfires. There were six neighbourhoods near a power station that had to be evacuated yesterday. Eight people have lost their lives so far. Tens of thousands of people have been evacuated. Um, And in Turkey, the week before, temperatures had been above 40 degrees, which is very, very extreme heat. Mm. Um, And both countries are really struggling at the moment to keep it under control. Yeah, I saw a video on Twitter this morning of a kind of, I don't know, ship of people being sailed off the coast of Greece with literally Greece on fire behind them. Like, you know, talk about apocalyptic. It's um, it's it's an absolutely wild thing to see uh, and very worrying indeed. Now, before I let you go, we have to just touch on the Olympics. Uh, put your sports journalist hat on, Alan. Um, although we will talk about, <laughs> first we'll talk about Tom Daly's knitting, which of course, <laughs> maybe we don't need to be so sporty for yeah, so Tom Daly was actually competing this morning and won a bronze in the men's uh, 10 metre diving. But more impressive for me, anyway, is this fabulous cardigan that he's put together since the Olympics started. So it's he's incredible. been doing knitting because <laughs> it's unreal. I would wear it myself, Same. only I'm not British GB, and it's yeah. covered in like Team GB stuff. Um, but it's very intricate. So he's been doing knitting as a kind of mindfulness distraction technique when he's over in Tokyo. And it's gas when you're watching like coaches going up to talk to him. They're also handing him over like fresh balls of yarn. So he did this um, did this very intricate cardigan, <laughs> which I highly recommend looking up on social media. I think you actually posted on your story I yesterday. Did. It's incredible. Um, and he said that it's basically been a way to, it's incredible. It's been a way to kind of get him through the stress of the Olympic Games. Um, and it seems to be working because he's been doing Unreal so far, which is great because I know he's disappointed last time around for actually five years ago now with the delay of COVID. Mm. Um, so he's been doing really, really well. And he just seems like a very happy, nice man. He really really does. And then we also have to talk about Sky Brown, another British Olympian who I've been absolutely blown away by. She's only 13. 
Yeah, so she was selected for the Olympics when she was 12 um, and then turned 13 at the start of July. So she's very, very young. She was competing in skateboarding, which is um, like a relatively new uh, Olympic sport. And all of the contestants are actually quite young. So she uh, became the first, sorry, the youngest person ever to win an Olympic medal for uh, Team GB. Um, she wasn't even the youngest athlete to win a medal. It was won by a Japanese girl who's 12 on the 26th of August. It would really make you feel wow. like you haven't achieved much in life. And particularly because apparently um, in her first interview immediately afterwards, she has already set her sights on trying to compete for the British surfing team for the next Olympics in Paris. Um, her dad was saying that she actually surfs more uh it's kind of like the sport that she does every single day so she oh, right so the skateboarding is just like a hobby next time round just a hobby yeah yeah just something oh, she yeah. does in like, her spare like time like we all picked up hobbies in lockdown uh, well yeah, exactly. uh, let me tell you i was watching the skateboarding the other day i'm better into the olympics i was watching the skateboarding the other day and she is incredible like but she as you say she won a medal and on the podium they were like and the average age of the competitors on the podium is 15 i was like what <laughs> i feel like a geriatric not that there's any shame in being a geriatric but like i'm not um it's amazing i'm it's conscious amazing. of like all the millennial women who took a roller we took a brother skating yeah. lockdown. Her probably <laughs> feeling quite yeah, quite insecure about their age at this point in time. Maybe and then, we haven't missed the boat though. Before I let you go, uh, just a quick update on Ireland at the Olympics. Yeah, so as you mentioned at the start, um, the all the, the focus is on Kelly Harrington, 6, 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. Since I spoke to you last last week, she obviously got a guaranteed bronze medal and then uh, updated to a guaranteed silver, but she is absolutely going for gold. Um, and I think it's going to be, I know I'm certainly going to be up, baby or no baby, if yeah. she's up at that time, I'll definitely be up and watching. Um, but it's been a really beautiful story for the Olympics um, because I think that the kind of swell of support up behind her has been fantastic. Mm. We're still at the same position in terms of medals we still have the gold for rowing and the two bronzes uh one for Aidan Walsh in boxing who unfortunately had to pull out before he could contest the silver and the bronze that the the women's rowing won as well and I know you were talking about Natalia Coyle at the start of the program it's very very devastating but uh it was in the news this morning that she will be the flag bearer for the closing ceremony which I yeah. think is a really nice touch as well after everything that she's been through absolutely just so delighted for her because she really has done us proud no matter what the results okay Ellen Coyne news correspondent the Irish Independent thank you for fighting with technology to be here with us today it is much <laughs> appreciated um, I hope you have Anytime. a really good one thanks Emil talk to you soon Louise McSherry on 2FM